Well, last night wasn't any fun, so we're going to talk about some good news. Like, you know, let's get into the 2025 mock offensive signing class with somebody from Bama Online. You are Locked On Bama, your daily podcast on the Alabama Crimson Tide. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody. Welcome back into Locked on Bama. Luke Robbins says me, Jimmy Stein. That's normally him. But today I upgraded with Joseph Hastings from Bama Online, one of his cohorts over there at Bama Online. And this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. And thank you for making us your first listen every single day. Joseph Hastings, how are you doing today, buddy? And Luke, I'm doing excellent. Just wrapped up the National Signing Day, the traditional National Signing Day. Uh, usually, you know, this is when the big time prospects end up signing. There were some big signings that happened on Wednesday, but most of it takes place during the early signing period nowadays in December. Uh, got to see Ryan Williams officially signed with the Crimson Tide, as well as Noah Carter uh, and in-state linebacker Quinn QB Reese. Uh, so, you know, that was great to see those guys fulfill their dreams and sign with the Alabama Crimson Tide. And yeah, looking forward uh, to the 2025 cycle now as we're about to get into. Um, it, that's how quickly things move in recruiting. You go from, you know, signing a, a great class, all things considered, with Nick Saban retiring to now moving on to see what the first full class post Nick Saban looks like. And that's going to be interesting. But, you know, as Jerry Seinfeld has always told us, men don't care what's on TV. We only care what else is on TV. So we're done with the 2024 class. I could sit here and wax poetic all day about Ryan Williams because I love me some Ryan Williams. Everybody tells me I love Ryan Williams too much, but I just want everybody to know it. Uh, now, so let's move on to the 2025 class. You guys have already put out a mock 2025 offensive signing class, and it starts out with a surprise at quarterback. I just assumed. Now, again, assuming he makes an ass out of you and me, we've always heard that. But I assumed you guys were going to think that go the K.J. Lacey route. That makes a lot of sense to me. He's from Sarah Land, throws the ball to Ryan Williams. Obviously, Alabama's still recruiting Antonio Coleman. Sarah Land's loaded. They're in state, yada, yada, yada. But you guys went with Deuce Knight out of Mississippi, I think Loosedale, Mississippi. And he's committed to Notre Dame right now. But you guys have a lot of reason to think he's going to end up flipping to the tide. First thing I want to say is head to BamaOnline.com to check out that full mock draft. Uh, well, it's mock, mock class, I should say. It's for the offensive side of the football. Going to be releasing the defensive side real soon. So definitely be sure to check that out. Uh, as it pertains to Deuce Knight, look, Kalen DeBoer, that was his first stop on the road for the Alabama Crimson Tide as their new head coach. He went out to go see Deuce, which, you know, meant a lot to him. You know that he was a priority early on, got that re-offer from Bama. You know, he changed his profile picture on Instagram. Don't know if that's still the case. I have to double check on that, but he changed it to him in a Bama uniform, but has been commenting Roll Tide and, um, you know, the elephant emoji and, you know, just talking to Alabama recruits uh, on social media. So, you know, he's he's one to watch out for, you know, especially when you consider uh, the fact that, you know, Caitlin DeBoer really prioritized from the get-go. He has yet to visit Alabama's campus yet um, under Coach DeBoer. It's only been a couple of weeks, but you'd expect to see him sometime during the spring or maybe the summer. So you know, he'll definitely be one to watch. Um, you know, also Julian Juju Lewis, who's committed to USC. KJ Lacey, as you mentioned, will he get that reoffer? You know, these are all things that we're paying attention to. And these mock uh, classes 11 months away, uh, they're really tough to predict. They're even tough to predict a couple of weeks out uh, with how fluid recruiting is. But, you know, this is kind of, you know, a wait and see type of deal. But, you know, just based on things have been going, you know, there's Alabama's going to have a shot there at Deuce Knight, um, you know, who's committed to Notre Dame right now. 
And because we're going to talk about basketball in the final segment, because that's how I want to leave people depressed, um, we're going to uh, sort of quickly go through all the other offensive guys, uh, especially when it comes to offensive line. Um, but I definitely want to talk about running backs here for a second. All right, so you got Turbo Rogers in the class. He's already in the class, uh, you know, verbally. But he's transferring from IMG back to Montgomery. I, my understanding is he's going to be back or going to Carver. He may be going somewhere else. But I'll tell you something. I love the fact that he was at IMG to begin with. You get to go up against in practice a bunch of five-star and four-star dudes all over the place, and you get to see what that training facility is like. And, and IMG, frankly, is probably the closest thing to college before you get to college, right? So I think this that was a good experience for him, but I'm also a HSAA guy. I love that Alabama talent is coming home to play in Alabama. Talk about Turbo Rogers. Yeah, Turbo Rogers is exceptional. I got to see him this past season. Um, you know, one thing that's pretty underrated about his game because he has the nickname Turbo, but, you know, he's a really powerful running back. You know, he can run through contact, uh, go, go, go in between, um, you know, the offensive line. He's not just somebody who's going to, you know, r- run on the outside, you know, or, or, or catch um, passes in the slot. You know, he he's fine going up against those big-time defensive tackles, um, you know, and linebackers there. So it, that, that's one thing I like about him, just, you know, his physical presence that he brings to the football field uh even though he's only five foot eight you know plays a lot bigger than that um you know and, and talking about that img experience he got to play behind jared gibson a texas running back signing one of the top running backs in the 2024 class donovan johnson one of the top running backs in the 2025 class so splitting carries in that nature he told me reminded him kind of of what it would be like at alabama based on the history of how things typically go there at that position uh with the crimson tide so you know that's something that really stood out to him and you look, you know, just talking about him as a recruit and his recruitment, yeah, you have to honor that and and, and admire what he's been doing, Stay, sticking with Alabama throughout this process with Coach Saban um, no longer being there, the coach that he committed to, and, you know, giving Coach DeBoer a chance, visiting for that junior day. He was the only commitment on campus for that junior day. So I think that kind of speaks volumes. And, you know, he plans on getting back to Alabama in the spring. We'll, we'll see what happens with his recruitment. But, you know, he just seems – you know, very, very locked in with Alabama, the school, Alabama, the program, not necessarily, you know, him committing to Nick Saban, so to speak. And, you know, Crimson Tide keeping Robert Gillespie as running backs coach was definitely important. All right. And then the other one that is somewhat of a surprise, because I would think most people project him to Auburn right now, and that's Alvin Henderson out of Elba. Um, boy, this I, I really like this kid a lot, too. He's been on the scene since he was like in ninth grade. I mean, everybody's known this kid's name. Both he and Rodgers have sort of been on the same trajectory, I would say. And I think they are very similar styles. Correct me if I'm wrong, but um, having him in this class would be awesome. I would love to have him. But why am I supposed to think he's going to go to Alabama instead of Auburn right now? I mean, once again, we we talk about prioritizing these guys early on. It means a lot. You know, and Alvin was seen by Alabama's coaching staff twice. Uh, They came out to his basketball game. Coach DeBoer went out to go visit him as well. So, um, you you know, when you have – when it's become pretty evident early on that a running back is going to be prioritized by a coaching staff, he's going to be one to watch. Um, and, you know, obviously that relationship with Robert Gillespie still still being there um, and, and him still keeping that relationship, that's going to be one to pay attention to. And 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 we'll mention again with the mock classes, they're really tough to proje- project 11 months out. We're still waiting to see unofficial visits in the spring, official visits in the summer and the fall, you know, how, how things turn out, top schools list, all of that. There's a lot of factors that remain to be seen. Um, you know, we do believe that there is ground to make up right now in Henderson's recruitment, but 
you know, the fact that, you know, there was a lot of talk about him committing to Auburn and that potentially happening last season or, or, or earlier this year that hasn't happened yet. So the longer he, you know, delays that commitment, so to speak, and, you know, pushes it off, that kind of benefits Alabama in terms of the relationship building process with Coach DeBoer, Coach Grubb, uh, the new coaches, and keeping things going with Gillespie. So, yeah, look, you know, he likes Alabama. We've talked about it before. He likes their running back uh, history, their tradition. He said he doesn't mind playing with Turbo Rogers. So, you know, he'll, he'll be one to, to watch, you know, and kind of projecting forward, it seems like Bama's going to have some ground to make up. But based on how things could potentially go this upcoming season, you know, we could we could see um, Alvin Henderson in this class. Yeah, but you know, when you put out a mock draft, what's going to happen, right? Everybody's like, okay, this is who we're getting. And then when we don't get one of them, everybody's going to be like, those wasting so many we're getting him. I don't understand. Uh, but Jason Joseph, I need to tell everybody about FanDuel right now. Absolutely love FanDuel. And I don't even know why. I'm going to put the overlay back on there. I love it so much. FanDuel.com slash locked on is where you want to go. Oh, man, this is so much fun right here on the precipice of the Super Bowl. And you know you're going to celebrate the Super Bowl and have fun. So why don't you do it with America's number one sports book? If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, and placing some super bets. There'll be a lot of them to choose from on FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a W or two or three or four or five or six, however many you want. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets for which player will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more, like how many completions, how many receptions, how many carries for all these different cats in the Super Bowl, and there are a bunch of them. New customers join today, and you'll get $200 in bonus bets with your first bet of $5 or more if that wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. That's FanDuel.com to slash locked on to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. So, uh, well, I got to take this. I'm staying in Margarita in Margaritaville in Lake Tahoe, which is kind of like staying in a you know, in an igloo in Orlando, I guess. But uh, they have these room keys you put on your wristband and, and whatever. Um, I keep looking at that. I'm like, take that off. You look like a weirdo. Um, of course, it has nothing to do with the room key. Um, let's go to wide receivers now on this 2025 mock class that we're running down. I, I'm not um, – I'm going to say I like the class you guys put up. Here's who you put up. Travis Smith, Jr., who's a, a top 100 kid. Marcus Harris, a top 100 kid from Matter Day in uh, California. Derek Smith, that was a bit of a surprise for me uh, from Southside Selma uh, in Alabama, of course. And then uh, Daylon Upshaw, who's a three-star from Central Phoenix City. I, I kind of thought maybe one of the bigger five-star names, uh, the kid, was it Caleb Cunningham? Is that his name out of Mississippi? Caleb Cunningham out of Mississippi, yeah. I, I thought maybe he would be an option. Um, so I, I'm not, it's not like I'm disappointed in the list. I just, it's been a minute. It seems like since we've not had a five-star receiver come on board, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it has been, and look, look, you, you look at Alabama's 2025 recruiting class and, um, you know, they got a couple guys in the fold right now. What they had before was Ryan Williams and, and Jamie French. So, you know, it's going to be hard to kind of replicate what that, you know, that class was projected to be. And no Jamie French on this one, by the way, I, I don't mean to cut you off, but I think that'll raise some eyebrows. Yeah, Jamie French right now has a admitted top five, a top three of Florida State, Miami, and Ohio State. Alabama's not in there. Um, you know, there's going to be some ground to make up. 
Whereas with Travis Smith and Derek Smith, you know, they, they were able to get them on campus as well as Marcus Harris, uh, Dalen Upshaw as well. You know, th that's kind of something that we're factoring in as well, that the junior day visits that were taken, the interest that was shown in Alabama early on. Well, you know, I'm going to keep on repeating this. Like the recruiting cycle, uh, like, you know, each recruiting cycle is about a year and a half, two years for each prospect as a term as it pertains to you know, high interest level, taking taking a lot of visits, things of that nature, you know, communication with the staff, et cetera. So with 11 months of that being, you know, we're projecting forward, you know, we have to take some, you know, precedents into account. We have to take some um, what we know to this point, which is all four of them visited. Three of them spoke really highly of Alabama, waiting to see if Upshaw gets that offer from the Crimson Tide. But he spoke well of them before after meeting with Coach DeBoer. So, you know, there's a lot of factors that are taken into play when creating a mock class like this. But, you know, with Travis Smith, you know, he he says that Alabama is going to make his top eight on Super Bowl Sunday. You're just talking about the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, so Bama's made some good progress of him early on after extending that offer. You know, Marcus Harris knew the Washington staff before, had visited Washington prior. And look, it's not easy making the trip out from California to Tuscaloosa. He did that within three weeks notice, of obviously from Coach DeBoer being hired to when they ho hosted that junior day event. So that shows immediate interest. Um, you know, and then also Derek Smith, he, you know, came out to Bama Online and said that Alabama's in his top three. Um, you know, he, he, he spoke with us about that. So I would definitely uh, encourage people to go to Bama Online, read what these uh, th these kids had to say about Alabama, their time on campus. That kind of adds some more perspective to why we included them in our in our mock class. But yeah, uh, it, it could definitely change. And you know, I, I can't rule out Jamie French. You know, after speaking to him at Battle Miami, I can't rule out Caleb Cunningham, who has Alabama in his top twelve. But you know, that's that's where things stand right now, so to speak. Um, okay, and again, I'm I think this would be a dang good receiver class. Um, hmm. But again, just not having that that like uh, superstar in there, and that, uh, well, you hate saying that because it feels like you're cutting on other guys. But not having the Caleb Cunningham or the Jamie French in there, especially when you already had Jamie French on board. But it, it's this. I, I'm at the same token. I'm very pleasantly surprised you have Derek Smith from Selma Southside in there. And then we'll talk about the offensive line and the uh, the tight ends just briefly here because. Frankly, they didn't – first of all, in tight end, you're like, we're not sure yet. Yeah. <laughs> we're somebody that's going to receive an offer later, which tells me that there's no Caleb Odom out there. You know, Alabama signed probably the best tight end in the country this year in Caleb Odom. He's he's pretty fantastic, a five-star in some circles. And then you've got three offensive linemen that you project and then two more that you say will receive an offer later that, you know, were just unnamed. Andrew uh, Babaloa, Babalola? Am I saying I'll, that right? I'll, I'll, I'll let you take the pronunciation on that one. We're, we're, we're getting used to <laughs> we're getting used to uh, all of these young men, at, you know, because he just got offered as well. I believe that's the correct pronunciation. If you want to say uh, Alabama's Andrew Babalolo, <laughs> boy, that's going to be tough for everybody. Uh, then Jackson, of course, he's from Kansas. He's one of the top offensive tackles in the country, and. Um, uh, probably the best guy to come out of Kansas in, in a while, I would think, best prospect. Jackson Lloyd, who's a three-star from uh, Carmel High School in California, and then Mal Waldrop from Central Phoenix City. Of course, uh, I mentioned the wide receiver, uh, Jalen Upshaw, who's also from Central Phoenix City, so Alabama would dip back in that area, and uh, two others to, to be named later. Again, nice grouping, not going to knock you over. Uh, when you're used to getting uh, J.C. Latham in the class, et cetera. And maybe they still will. We just don't know who it is out there yet. 
essentially that's the case um, when the offers look, you gotta understand. So coach DeBoer made the move over from Washington to Alabama. There weren't, wasn't a lot of overlap in terms of the recruits that Alabama was going after and Washington was going after. So it's not like you can just jump right back in. So you're going to see some new offers from uh, prospects on the West coast. And, you know, there was recruits in the Southeast that they just knew Washington just couldn't go after, you know, they, they wouldn't have been able to get in the mix with them. And now they are. So you're you're, going to, there's going to be a time evaluation period of time here that's going to have to take place and uh, spring evaluation, summer camp evaluation, things of that nature. As for the tight ends, you know, Caleb Bildum didn't receive an offer until March uh, of 2023. So that's something to take into consideration as well. Um, you know, when, when, when you're looking at him and um, favorite Edwin, who was in pursuit by Alabama, um, tackle out of Georgia, uh, he, he didn't receive an offer until June. So that's kind of the precedence that we're taking into account here. Uh, you know, even with a, an established Nick Saban staff, there are offers that take place later, uh, whether that be in the spring or the summer, or potentially even in the fall with, um, you know, se- senior season evaluation. So, uh, you know, that, that that's what we're taking into account. But, yeah, you know, Alabama's, you know, re-offered a, a few tight ends. You know, um, they recently played host to one from Nebraska, Chase Lofton. Um, you know, he's an on 300 tight end. You know, the Son Brame holds an offer. Kyoto um, Armstrong out of Texas holds an offer. So, you know, we're we're waiting to see what happens in terms of the full offer list, the full evaluation list. Um, and, and that kind of explains why there aren't any names attached to those just yet. All right. I'm going to tell everybody about game time right now. When we come back, we're going to talk about that debacle on the planes last night. I love the Game Time app. I really do. I've used it a million times. I know if you've listened to this podcast a lot, you know I've used it a million times. I love it. I used it to get into a Dolphins game this year. I used it to go to the Alabama-Tennessee game. I used it to send my son to the World Series. And uh, look, what would you do with an extra $100 in Las Vegas if you were there for the big game? Would you go buy yourself a great dinner or put it all on red or black? Uh, whatever you want to do. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. And right now, new users get $100 off when they buy a big game ticket with code VEGAS100. With killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and the best price guarantee, game time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. So if you're going to the Super Bowl and you're like, I need a ticket, use game time to get $100 off right there. Um, look, last-minute tickets, flash deals, zone deals, easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area, views from all seats in the venue. That is so crucial to me. Lowest price guarantee, event cancellation protection. If they cancel the Super Bowl, there's going to be a lot of other things to worry about. Job loss protection. Uh, You can buy tickets in seconds with two taps. I've done that. I know you can do it. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Right now, all Game Time users get $100 off a big game ticket with code VEGAS100. Terms apply. Just download the Game Time app and use code Vegas one hundred. That's V E G A S one hundred for one hundred dollars off the big game. Or if you're not going to the game, use code Locked On for twenty dollars off your first purchase. That's code Locked On for twenty dollars off. So go to Game Time. Check that out. All right. So Bama took it on the chin last night in basketball. I mean, look, I. I I predicted Auburn would win and probably win big. Um, you know, I'm not super disappointed in anything. I know there's some folks talking about the number of free throws. And, yeah, I mean, Auburn got an inordinate amount of, of calls. I mean, it's what you do at home. That's how it goes. And um, I would hope that eventually 
Auburn fans will quit complaining about the officiating because they'll see, hey, when we're at home, we go to the free throw line 50 times. But they won't. Um, and really, I think this is – Alabama was had a very little shot to win this game. I really believe that. I believe Alabama's just as good a team as Auburn is. But just in that venue, in that moment, Alabama was not going to win that game. Not super disappointed in that. I'm a little disappointed in the lack of toughness I saw. I wanted to see more fight and comeback towards the latter stages of the game, when, even when we knew it was over. Even when we knew a comeback was, like, improbable. I would have liked to have seen a little more uh, gusto from the squad. But big picture, this isn't that big of a deal. Um, yeah. Alabama has proven itself time again. They're going to be in the in the dance easily. What you can't do is let Auburn beat you twice and go to LSU at 11 o'clock on Saturday and lose that game. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right about that. Look, the perspective is that Alabama, uh, you know, they're still number one in the SEC as it pertains to being being tied atop the SEC conference record, eight and two. Um, you know, you you want to win that game. <laughs> you know, it's not, it's not fun losing to 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 Auburn, uh, a rival of that nature. But um, you know, they, they were close, uh, relatively speaking, for most of that first half. You know, it was a 39 39 game, I believe, at one point, and you know, then it just kind of got away from them. And in that second half, you know, didn't get you know, extremely as extremely bad as it could have gotten, but it never got really close either. It was kind of hovering in that, you know, like that 15, 20 point range around around that area. So, um, you know, look, Alabama has, in my opinion, a nice little mix of of older and younger talent, too, which kind of bodes well for, for the postseason day um, postseason tournament play. Yeah, you have a head coach in Nate Oates, who's regarded as one of the best in the sport. Um, you know, e easily one of the best in the SEC. So, you know, when projecting them for, you know, potentially winning, you know, the SEC outright, you know, winning the tournament, what um, the SEC tournament, whatever, um, you know, you have to like Alabama's chances, you know, when it comes to a four or five game stretch uh, in the SEC tournament and then projecting forward uh, with the NCAA tournament. You know, it's going to be, we're just going to have to see if Alabama breaks through this year under Coach Oates. Is this the year to get past? Um, you know, Sweet 16, make it to the Elite Eight, you know, potentially get to that Final Four appearance, that coveted Final Four appearance. So, um, you know, but just wait, based on the way the team has been playing, you know, since they got off to that 6-5 and five start, you know, played against some some really tough teams, you know, three of the top 20 teams in the country uh, in Creighton, Arizona, and Purdue. Those are, you know, and those are hard losses, you know, like when, when you're going up against tough teams like that. But uh, what's been encouraging is how they played in, uh, in conference play and, um, you know, having the – 10-2 record over the past 12 games. And I think that's that's pretty good. Bodes well for the Crimson Tide. Yeah, and again, um, you, you hate to lose to Auburn. I mean, Alabama won three straight against them. Nate Oates now has a 6-4 and four record against Bruce Pearl. That's pretty mm -hmm. awesome. And I'm not telling people to just totally discount this and not be down about it. It's, it's just not the same as a football thing. I wanted to win it as badly as anybody. Um, but don't get too caught up in it. And I think it's even more crucial – the team doesn't get caught up in it and lose at LSU, a team they should definitely beat on Saturday. They need to go down there and win that ball game. And then everything's sort of back on track. You got yeah. you Alabama's schedule does not ease up. You're at Auburn, you know, you've already lost that. You go to LSU, you're on the road in the SEC, it's never easy. Then you got Florida at home, then you welcome Texas AM. Uh, you know, it, it's just not going to ease up. Alabama still got to welcome in Tennessee. They still got to go to Florida and go to Kentucky it, it, and Ole Miss. These are not easy places. So Alabama's going to lose some more. It, you just got to uh, 
try to lose as few as possible. They're not winning out. I want to let everybody know that right now. Alabama ain't winning out this SEC run. So let that idea go and don't get too upset when they do get one of these uh, lose a couple of these games because that is definitely going to happen. But, um, you know, Mark Sears still had 25 points. I was glad to see that. I thought it was very odd. I don't think Nick Pringle nor um, Jani Broom had a foul. What? How is that possible when you when you're 85 fouls, foul shots attempted or whatever it was? Um, yeah. But just a lot of weird stuff. And, you know, hey, whenever you go to Auburn, weird stuff happens, sometimes for you, sometimes against you. And you just got to live with it and live with the results. Um, but, Joseph, thank you so much for being with us today, man. It was an absolute pleasure. You're the best. Truly appreciate you. And, um, yeah, we'll have you on again soon. And uh, thanks for filling in very admirably and even more successfully than Jimmy. Thanks so much, Luke, for having me on. Uh, definitely look forward to catching up, talking more Alabama recruiting, uh, basketball recruiting, too. We got a story posted on Bama Online on Caleb Holt, one of the top in-state uh, prospects, you know, That's regardless of class. Yeah, yeah, he's really good. So I uh, got to talk about his visit for the LSU game. So be sure to check that out and check out some of our post-junior day content. Still got uh, plenty of more visit recap stories coming up. But uh, thank you again for having me on, man. All right, really quickly, you feel good about Caleb Bolt in Alabama? Uh, that's a long time. That's a long time left in his recruiting process. I think the reclassification possibility is intriguing. You know, we talked about that. Um, you know, he likes Al the way Alabama plays. He, he likes especially their intensity on defense. That's something that um, he was talking to me about how Coach Oates uh, really emphasizes that. So that, that was one of his um, um, marking points. But, you know, he's, he's really open to all his options right now. He's not, you look on his social media, he's not posting top schools lists and saying, you know, this fan base, get me up, you know, to this amount of numbers of followers. He's, um, you know, to. yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind he's of don't get him. He's going to get him himself. He's going to get him for sure. So uh, yeah, but no, he, uh, he definitely has interest in Alabama right now. All right, my friend. Thank you, Joseph. We'll talk to you again soon, buddy. And roll tide. Roll tide. Take care, Luke.